And welcome, everybody, to a special episode of the Animaniacast. And welcome, everybody, once again to another episode of the Animaniacast. This, of course, is the podcast that is dedicated to the animated television series, Animaniacs, as well as other shows within the Rugerverse, such as Pinky and the Brain, Tiny Toon Adventures, and Freakazoid. Today, however, we're not reviewing or discussing any episodes, but we are going to be sharing some panel audio from Fan X Salt Lake City. Yes, uh, I am Joey. Nathan and Kelly are not here because, uh, well, we're recording this episode a bit later than usual. The reason? Well, because... I just got in from FanX. Uh, I just flew in here back back home at Tucson now. And uh, boy, it, it was a whirlwind trip. Uh, exhausting, but so much fun. Uh, Tom Ruger and Paul Rugg. Uh, of course, Tom, the creator of Animaniacs, and Paul, not only one of the writers, but also a fantastic voiceover artist who is uh, not only an Animaniacs, but of course, he's Freakazoid himself. Uh, and also, he's just a hilarious guy. Uh, we were all there out at Fan X. Paul and Tom were signing autographs, meeting fans, taking pictures, doing voice stuff on their things. And, oh, yeah, we're handing out free kazoos for people who got an autograph for Tom uh, from Tom and Paul. It was uh, super fun. And even Luke Ruger was there helping out. And, of course, Paul's daughter, Jill, was there as well helping out. So we had a... We had a great crew, and Mark, who a lot of you might know as That's Art Folks from uh, Twitter and Instagram and all that, wonderful artist, was there supporting us. He designed these amazing banners, which I'm sure you've probably seen on our on our Facebook, Instagram, and who knows where else pages. People love those things. They were taking pictures of just the banner itself because they just thought it was amazing. Uh, it was a fantastic experience at FanX. We had an absolute ball. It was exhausting, but it was so much fun to see so many fans meeting Tom and Paul and thanking them uh, for, I heard this over and over again, thank you for my childhood (laughs) is something that I heard over and over again, because it's true. They had such a positive effect on so many people's lives throughout the country and throughout the world. So that was fantastic. And, you know, fans being able to get a little souvenir as well. They could take home the memori- memor- to remember the event, I should say, forever, was also a special bonus because this was Tom and Paul's first convention experience. Uh, we had an absolute ball, and I know Tom and Paul would love to continue to do these and go out to co- additional conventions uh, throughout the world, really. Uh, but in order for them to go out there, uh, you guys out there, if you want them to come to your convention, wherever that happens to be, contact them okay uh let them know that you would really love to come to whatever convention it is but i you'd also really love to see tom ruger and paul rugg appear as invited guests and who knows maybe we can get this world tour going uh again we you know just messaging paul and tom saying hey please come to 
I don't know, Nebraska, wherever it happens to be. Uh, we'd love to. Uh, but the fact is, uh, we're not the ones that make those decisions. It's the cons that makes those make those decisions. So please, please, you know, tell your cons, please invite these folks and they'll come to you. Okay. Uh, at any rate, it, like I said before, it was an absolute experience of a lifetime being able to hang out with Tom and Paul. They genuinely are some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Just really generous and uh, hilarious <laughs> and, and uh, just it's a it's a ball being able to hang out with them. Uh, I have many stories to share. I'm, I'm sure over the next few weeks, and we have additional audio from other uh, panels and everything like that to share uh, as well. As long as the audio is, comes out okay, you know, okay. Uh, but today we're going to be sharing audio from the Animaniacs panel that. We had, and it was a complete blast. We had fantastic questions from the audience, the entire audience. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it in this, but they were all singing along to the Animaniacs theme song. Uh, those of you on YouTube, by the way, that might get blocked. So just so you know, there might be a cut in the audio once that pops up if the, if the uh, YouTube uh, copyright police are listening. At any rate, uh, it was a fantastic experience, and I'd love to uh, have you guys all there, out there experience uh, the same fun of meeting Tom and Paul. So again, please request your local con uh, to have Paul and Tom come to your city, state, country, wherever, province, province <laughs> island in the middle of the Bahamas. Hey, that would be pretty nice, maybe. At any rate, wherever it happens to be, we want to come see you, so make sure you contact your local con, uh, and we'll come to you. I'd also like to put a quick thank you so much to our patrons over at patreon.com slash animaniacast. Uh, these folks have been supporting our podcast for days, weeks, months, and they have been getting what, in my opinion, some fantastic bonus audio from not only me, Nathan, and Kelly as we talk about various nerdy things before recording our show— but also bonus audio commentaries featuring Tom Ruger and other writers of the show uh, as we watch episodes of the original series and laugh along and learn new facts about each episode, which has been a fantastic experience. And also some of those patrons are also getting signatures each and every month from Tom Ruger. If you would like to get an autograph from Tom Ruger on an Animaniacs or Tiny Toons trading card, well, you better become a patron at one of our upper levels. The, all the details and stuff are over at patreon.com slash Animaniacast. So special thanks. We got to give a, a special shout out to some of our patrons here. Thank you to Bemused Horseman, Christian, Eric, James, Kyle, McCoy, MJ, Nebby, Ketzel, Rapid Kirby 3K, Tamara, The Cartoon Gamer, Weffy, Marjorie, Marty, Tutorials by Smiles on YouTube, and Brian and Micah. Oh my goodness, so many patrons and so much support from you guys. Thank you so much again each and every month. You help make our show possible. I think it's time to get to our audio. Like I said, there is plenty more stuff to come in the next few weeks, but I wanted to make sure I got this one out as soon as I possibly could. This, of course, is our Animaniacs panel for FanX. Please enjoy and 
pay attention for a special guest. Oh, I don't know. Who could it be? Hmm. Oh, yeah. The voice of Wacko, Jess Harnell, makes an appearance as well during the panel. So stay tuned. You're going to love it. We're almost a minute away. How's everyone doing today? Awesome. We'll go ahead and start just a few seconds early just because we, as people come in. Uh, welcome to Animaniacs Inventing a Classic. Uh, let's start. Yay! Hooray! Yay! Yay! Uh, what a great show! <laughs> uh, Very funny. <laughs> My name's Joey. I'm actually one of the hosts of the Animaniacast. The Animaniacast is an Animaniac... Oh, thank you. The Animaniacast podcast is a podcast that's well dedicated to Animaniacs and other shows within the quote-unquote Rugerverse, oh. such as Pinky and the Brain, Tiny Toon Adventures, and Freakazoid, of course. And today, yes... Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by some very wonderful people up here on stage. Let's go ahead and start with the introduction of the first one right here, Mr. Tom Ruger. Yes. So let me see if I can get my audio here. Let's check the audio. Are we working? Here we go. Let's try it. Brain, you're here. Great. And only 45 minutes late today. You leave. But, Brain, I'm the producer. Then leave very quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the creator of Animaniacs, Mr. Tom Ruger. Thank you. I'm not talking now. Back to Joey. And to my left is a writer, a voice actor, a puppeteer, all-around hilarious man, Mr. Paul Rugg. Now, Paul is responsible for not only uh, writing some of the funniest episodes of Animaniacs, but also voicing a couple of the funniest characters, including Mr. Director. Let's go and see a clip of that real quick here. We're the Warner Brothers. And the Warner Sister. I don't know how you got in here, but heads will roll for this infringement. This, I promise. Hmm. Look, kids, I don't sign autographs. It cheapens us both. Me the artist and you the whatever you are. Now scoot. You were there, but here now you are for me to see. How do you do? You understand any of that? I think he said, Hoyle, how'd you with the going? You were there, but here now you are for me to see. How'd you do? Thanks for clearing that up. All the words that were written on that were written by this man right here, Mr. Paul Rugg. Thank you. Thank you. And. Thank you. And. We have also a very special guest, uh, the, the young gentleman over here to my I say young gentleman because we always know him as the young uh, Luke Ruger from Animaniacs as well. And who did Luke voice? Well, he voiced many characters, including a very sweet one right here. Ah, ah finished. At last, I knew he could do it. Let's see what you wrote. Behold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not that. Let's give it up for Luke Ruger. That one took me a lot of takes, actually. They had me in there for a really long time. <laughs> it was just, I, my, my, my mouth was just developing at the time. I and mean, I had, oh, it was just all tongue. 
in my mouth all the time. Uh, yeah, it took me a lot of takes. But, uh, it was it was a real treat to be in the recording studio and uh, to, to also be a, a test audience for all of the shows that my dad worked on. Excellent. Well, <laughs> glad was. to have you here. He was. Yeah. Let's let's start it off, everybody, with a quick. Uh, you're ready to sing the theme song, and then we'll get this panel started, right? So, if you don't know the words, which I don't know why you wouldn't, they're going to be up on the screen. So let's all follow along. Here we go. Let's see here. But I have no sound. All right. So this, oh, let's try it again. Here we go. Are we ready again? The, oh, the anticipation. You're like, I don't know what this is. Here we go. Try it again. It's time for anime. All the lyrics for that song was written by this man right here, Tom Ruger, once again. Famous. Gentlemen, take it away. Hello, everyone. Uh, So Tom and I, we really wanted to just kind of talk about how this all came to be. And that would be, Tom, take us to the beginning. (laughs) To the beginning. To the beginning when, when it was all good and there weren't evil network executives getting in the way and it was free and we could make shows that people enjoyed. Well, okay. We'll do that. Okay, thank you. Uh, we had made uh, Tiny Tunes and that had been, uh, you know, uh, we had been closely watched during Tiny Tunes because uh, it was the first production from Warner Brothers Television Animation at that moment. Uh, the, the studio bosses were keeping an eye on it. Uh, Steven was, of course, our exec- executive producer, and he didn't know us from Adam, and he was like, I don't know if I trust these guys. And so we were trying very hard to make it really good, and, and we got some shows back that had really thick lines, and I remember getting a memo from Steven that says, this is unconscionable. <laughs> and the next day, they put me on an airplane and sent me to Taiwan, and they said I had to tell everyone that you can't do the thick lines or I'm going to you know, be flying around the world here. So uh, we had to really toe the line. And there was another time we had a big rally party. And, you know, you think, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have, uh, uh, you know, the premiere's coming up. And, and we're having – and Stephen came. It was like a pep rally. And Stephen brought me aside and said, uh, I just watched uh, uh, the, the football episode. What was that one called of Tiny Tunes in a – Again, uh, the line quality, really. Uh, so I, there I was, I was. I was back in Taiwan. So, but then the show went on the air. It was a big hit. And then Stephen loved us and basically gave us the keys to the car. He, he was going to go off and make uh, Schindler's List, and we were going to stay behind and make Animaniacs. 
And uh, I'll just give you a couple of things about the pitch I made to Stephen. Uh, is that okay? To you about the Tom, it's your microphone. <laughs> I'll, I'll get off in a minute. But I went to uh, his house for milk and cookies on a Saturday morning, I swear. And uh, Sherry Stoner and Gene McCurdy and I, and we pitched uh, the elements of Animaniacs. And I, I, I sang the Pinky in the Brain theme song to the tune to which I wrote it which is different than the tune you know. And, and uh, so I sang, They're pinky in the brain, yes, pinky in the brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. They're laboratory mice, their genes have been spliced. They're dinky, they're pinky in the brain. And he said, sold. <laughs> of course, we changed the, the music. Um, and uh, so... When we got going on the show, we really had incredible freedom because we had uh, we had succeeded with Tiny Tunes, and now we were just going to make cartoons that really made us laugh. Now, Sherry Stoner's husband ran a theater called Acme, the Acme Theater, and it was a comedy club. And uh, I went there one night, and Sherry said, "You have to see these guys in action." And one of the people on stage was uh, Mr. Paul Rugg. And what were you doing back there, Paul? I was doing improv. I was doing uh, sketch, sketch comedy. Yeah, sketch comedy. I was doing Manny the Uncanny. I was paying to perform, which was very boring but, uh, and made me very poor. But then you came, and you came to the show, and Tom said, Hey, would you like, a, would you like to do a script for this new show called Animaniacs? And I was like, Yeah, does it beats working at the Census Bureau. So, um, and did you actually pay money? We said, not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but, well, trust me, when you're making six, nothing, it's nothing. But, but, so when I said yes, back then they sent over this stack of, it was called the, the series Bible. And it was, I mean, you could, you could, you could basically, it was the, it had the massive Jupiter. And it was this thick, and it was just a bunch of random stuff about the characters. Yes. And, um, and not organized well. Yeah, it was, it was all about Yakko, Wacko, Dot, and, um, and then based on that, we, you, you sent me that, and then you gave John McCann and I, I got uh, Rollover Beethoven, I think, and John McCann got Dracula, Dracula, and that was basically, we didn't know it, but that was our audition to be in the show. Not only was it the audition, but that, those were the first two scripts written for the Warners. Right, yes. And uh, so uh, based on that, I think you gave us a week to write, and yeah, it was not, over, not a lot. Yeah, it was over over Christmas, and I remember every word, just every oh, it was very very hard because also Tom wanted us to write visually, like what we see, not just a bunch of words, but where's the camera? What happens? How do they get in? How how do they get get out? And it's still, it's the most edu- I've learned so much from comedy in writing. Where is the camera? What does the audience see? And uh, so anyway, it took a week to write that, and we bo- John and I both turned it in. And then you called about. Well, what happened was I, I was in my office and doing whatever, and I hear Sherry Stoner in the next room laughing out loud, and I, and I go out and say, "Oh, well, that's a good sign." I said, so what? Because, you know, she's a tough audience. She said, Get the, read the scripts. Oh, my gosh, read the scripts. They just came in. And so then she heard me in my office laughing out loud. And uh, it was rug. It was, uh, it was rollover Beethoven, which, you know, you think, oh, that's going to be the best script he ever wrote. That was just the beginning. I mean, he wrote, if that was, you know, if that was 100, uh, he wrote things that hit 1,000 because uh, he wrote... 
honestly, the first two weeks of the show airing, uh, just uh, every every each of the days, five uh, ten days of the first two weeks, he wrote eight of the uh, the Warner segments. So he really uh, brought those guys to life. Oh wow! It was it was fun. And once once Tom. Oh no, more, more. Thank you. Hey, no, no, no! Stop! Stop! Please! No! Come on! Stop! Please! Please! Um, uh, when Tom said they're the Marx Brothers, um, and they are, they're the Marx Brothers. In case you guys didn't know, they're based on that. I don't know if you guys know who the Marx Brothers are, but you should check them out. Um, but there's an energy, and there's a comedy, and there's there's wildness, and that's how we wrote the show. And Everyone talks about, hey, did you have a writer's room and all that stuff? And what was it like to break stories? Did you all get around and really think about it? No. The way we did it back then was we'd go into Tom's office and Tom would say, what are you, what are you going to write? And we would say, how about they meet Jerry Lewis? He's the director. Tom said, good, you have a week. And we would go off and we would come back. And, it was the, and there was no like, let's really think about what happens on each page. It was each writer was given the ability to fail or not fail or whatever, and it was um, it's not done that way these days. Uh, it's always a group thing, and, and it eventually becomes a group thing when everyone takes hold of it, but we got to write whatever we wanted. And I, Tom had a secretary, and I would give her a dollar every time I turned in a script, and I, said, <laughs> and I would say, Tom's going to hate this one. She goes, I don't think so, and I would give her the dollar, and then, she, and then you would like it, and she'd give me the dollar back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul really, uh, every once in a while... Uh, a script just came to him. He he could write it just uh, with great ease because it just it was just natural. There were times though where uh, e- even with ideas that were completely original to Paul, uh, they would get him and they would put him through torture and yeah. uh, you know and he, say he had a script due on Friday. You know he would be just filled with angst until <laughs> Thursday evening, and then. Uh, uh, Friday, he would just wail through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, there's, we, all, we just wanted to make each other laugh. And if we were sitting there in the room and what we were writing, if we weren't, if, if we, if me personally, if I wasn't laughing going, oh, man, I really love this, then it was a pointless endeavor. And, um, and that's what he sort of instilled. It was like, these better make you happy before I see them. Um, <laughs> and, and, and. That's really not. Again, it's it's. Uh, it was my first writing gig ever, um, and boy, did I learn a lot. It was fun. It was fun, and um, and of yeah. course, he was in the booth uh, often for recording sessions, and he'd be on the other side of the glass. But sometimes he'd be in the recording. And he once told me that he he, he knew he was working well when he looked in the booth and he saw me and Andrea going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and. Conversely, you knew when you weren't doing well because remember you can't hear what the you're in the booth, right? And sometimes you'd get the face from Tom like, <laughs> or you'd get this. <laughs> and sometimes that would happen, and you'd be in the booth going, "I don't think he liked that one." <laughs> And then Andrea, our wonderful uh, uh, director, there'd be, and then Andrea would come on the talk and go, good. <laughs> let's, let's just try it again. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was, that was, it was fun. And, um, you know, the, 
I, I, you know, we don't want to make this a, 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 a fest, but, in, but Tom Ruger is the creator. Uh, he is the reason why you guys like this stuff. And it's probably why you're here, because he really created, and he created, uh, and trust me, I worked at Disney, where you come in and you literally clock in, and they're like, what are you going to write today? And you go, I'm going to do this. And they go, no, you're not. <laughs> you're going to write over here. And uh, it, just this freeing thing. And again, it's something that having now done this for 30 years, not everybody gives you this, this space. So anyway, and then, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, thanks very much, That's Paul. $10, and Again, when you have comedy people... I I'm mean, over at booth 228. <laughs> I've met many funny comedians and funny people, and honestly, in my life, you know, there, I remember working with Jonathan Winters, one of the funniest people on earth, but uh, I always say uh, Sherry Stoner and Paul Rugg are two of the funniest people I've ever met in my whole life, and thank God I met them. Thank you, Paul. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I want to mention, just go back to one thing. Uh, when we pitched the show, uh, uh, Stephen uh, wanted to do it, liked it, but he said, you know what, we need a marquee name. And if you can't give me a marquee name, I said, well, you're the marquee name. Steven Spielberg said, no, no, I mean the show needs to have a, a marquee character. Or if, if not, you're, I'm going to have you make Plucky Duck the host of it. And... So then it would be a spinoff of Tiny Toons, which we didn't want to do. So uh, the marquee name uh, was solved when I had, uh, and I want Paul to tell you about one of his cartoon epiphanies in a moment. Okay. All right. But I had my cartoon epiphany, and you know, I was filled with angst too. I'm walking across the lot, and uh, I need to come up with a marquee name for this show. I want to call it Animaniacs, but I still need a marquee character. And I see the water tower. Now... Today, we want to thank the Water Tower for coming all the way from Burbank. Yay! For being here. Cambria Lion packed up the Water Tower and made sure it, it got here safely. And so I saw the Water Tower on the lot, and I saw the Warner Brothers emblem on it. And the epiphany moment was literally right then, and I realized, oh, these crazy characters, the Warners, they, they can live in that. And that's got their name on it, the Warner Brothers. And, and then I realized, and we were making them these old-timey uh, 30s characters. And, but why would they be in there? Oh, they were too wacky. We locked them in there. And anyway, it all came together. And uh, so I called up Stephen, and I pitched it to him over the phone. And he was like, I buy it. So that happened. But Paul, in writing one of the f- scripts that was in, I think, I think the first week of the series... Uh, he was writing this fabulous script, but he was having great uh, pain wrapping it. Uh, cookie, cookies for Einstein. Oh, which... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, this, first of all, we, or I never knew what the episodes would end, ever. We didn't know. All we knew was an idea. And it was like, how are we going to wrap this up? How does this end? What does it all mean? And, um, and there was something very freeing in that, but also very scary, because it was like, oh, I don't know where this is going. Um, and uh, I wrote one called Cookies for Einstein, where the, uh, the Warner Brothers come to sell Einstein cookies as he's trying to figure out the theory of relativity, <laughs> uh, which is E equals MC squared. Um, and then one day it occurred to me, how am I going to end this? What happens? If you look at Acme and you turn it backwards... It's E equals MC squared. Uh, and so, uh, and that happened to me. I was, I was installing a floor 
And I was, and, and you're like, um, da, da, da. oh my gosh, E equals MC squared is Acme backwards. And then I wrote it in a script and that was fun. Anyway, yeah. But, but, but that's how Anime Next happened. We didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, we didn't have a plan. What? All right, so now maybe we should talk about the casting process, Tom. How, how did you get the voice? What, well, that sort of oh, thing. okay. I mean, I can kick it back to you. Unless, what, what, whatever they want to do. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Rob, Jess, Tress, uh, they came to it. Rob, we, we loaded the, uh, the, the, the possibilities when we sent them to Stephen. We made sure there were a lot of Rob and Jess choices. Oh, they were numbered. There, there were no names. It was just like he was seeing these auditions without any names attached. And he picked out uh, Rob and Jess, which is what we wanted him to do. Tress, I don't know. I mean, I know we auditioned others, but we never anticipated using anyone but Tress for the role of Dot. Uh, Maurice LaMarche, uh, we originally brought in for Pinky and the Brain, we brought in the two uh, people from our studio who, who's visually uh, inspired Pinky and the Brain, Tom Minton and Eddie Fitzgerald, and we actually had them do voices because Eddie, actually, when he left, he would say narf. So we thought, well, we, got, we have to try that out. But then uh, Maurice came in, and he would always audition. Uh, no, excuse me. He would always warm up before any audition or any show. He would warm up, and his traditional warm-up was him doing Orson Welles. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a farm. Or, you know, the peas grow there. And, and he would do this famous Orson Welles uh, track from, from some commercial Orson Welles did. And so he was warming up. And then he had the copy for the brain, and he just continued from the warm-up into doing the brain. And we said, well, there's the brain. There yeah. you go. And uh, Rob, I think Pinky came a little, bit, uh, a little bit later. And if you listen to the first couple episodes of Pinky and the Brain, uh, Pinky sounds a little different. He, he, he gets more insane as the, or, or more of a genius, if, depending on what you think he is, uh, as, he, as the series goes. Um, what other characters were crucial there? Well, uh, Luke the Flame came in. I had uh, Nathan, my other son, did, uh, did uh, Skippy. And, of course, Slappy Squirrel came from Sherry Stoner. And she was reading some little section of a script uh, when Stephen was there. And he, she was doing sort of uh, this character that she did from The Groundlings, which was sort of a burned-out uh, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, did smoke drunk it. old woman. Yeah, and uh, and she was doing that for Slappy, and Stephen said, "You're doing Slappy." <laughs> so, yeah. so he cast her. Yeah, yeah. So we basically did all, and, and it's so so funny. Tom mentioned how a voice a voice changes from the beginning, and then because a voice at the beginning, you're sort of like, "Oh, I, uh, this is what they want," and then if you do a few more episodes, the voice sort of evolves to, you know, I think it's true. Yakawakodot certainly found their voice. A few episodes in. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And tre- they uh, <clears throat> initially we were planning on pitching them a little bit, but they're such talented voice actors, and they knew that. And within a couple weeks, they they were pitching themselves, and and we didn't have to pitch them anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. so do we want to do? Should we do, should we leave it to questions? We George? could if there are questions. Does are there, anyone have there, any questions about? Because we can we can just probably t- t- talk about what you guys want to talk about. Right. What your questions are you have about the show? Right. And you have to come to a microphone. Yeah, Otherwise, there's two microphones right two here. Two microphones. So one here. One, and one that's here. one. Inside. We'll we'll go. We'll ping pong back and forth. And we'll discuss. 
We'll discuss all kinds of things. Oh, well, hang on one moment. Uh oh. Friends, or should I say, hello, fanatics? You know what's funny? This sweet little girl in the front, I don't know if she knew who I was. She thought I was like in a Guns N' Roses tribute band. And I came in, and I said that, and you lit up like a Christmas tree. How cool is that? Isn't that nice? Listen, I'm swinging by here for a minute because I got to tell you guys something, okay? This is serious. This is a serious. I remember you. How are you, dude? Um, this is as serious as I get, okay? Friend. All right, listen, listen, listen. Oh, hey, my girl, that's my wife, Cara. Hello, everybody say hello, nurse, go. Hello, There it is. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something right now, okay? You know, we all meet people in the course of our lives, and if we're lucky, they're a good influence on us, and they take us to good places. If we're not, we're better off without them, right? I was very, very blessed when I got started doing voiceover because of these two guys right here. And I want, I'm being as serious as I can. You sometimes meet people who impact your life permanently, I have worked on so many things. I've been so blessed to work on so many things since I got started doing what I, what I do and what a lot of you guys know that I do. I have rarely, if ever, worked with a better writer than this guy right here, and that is no jive. You guys know me. I don't say BS. I don't do BS. This is the truth. Every time we got a script that said his name, we knew how good it was going to be. And most of you would not have had a childhood without that guy right there. Okay? He, he, is, he is a dear and a wonderful friend and an amazing guy. And when you think, oh, my God, when you think of the body work, well, first of all, you have multiple Emmys too, right? You've got like three Emmys. And you got like, what, 56? <laughs> you got like 14 or something, right? Like oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah. So the point is, yeah, yeah. You know how many I got? I got a doorstop. That's all I got. <laughs> but, but the thing is, what I'm saying is that it's like you guys – just relish this opportunity, and if you have any interest at all in being, I mean, Paul's a writer and a performer. He's a puppeteer, for God's sake. He does everything. If you guys have any interest in what the fields that these guys run in, you have an opportunity, both here and at their table, to pick the brains of, like, it's the top of the heap, man. It's not like the guy who cleans their pool, which would have been me if I hadn't met them. Um, it, it, you're getting a chance to get up close and personal with seriously the best that there are, and they are my friends, and they are your friends, and I love these guys, and I know you do too, so that's it. But I'm still afraid of clowns, so it was weird for me to sit next to Mr. Clown Man. That's all I got. Nice boy with no eyebrows. <laughs> Wait, Paul, will you sing the song? We, 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 yeah. Yeah, do, do the song. Oh, little puppy boy. Oh, it's made for me. <laughs> It's done. When the whipper will, whip is in the wind. The wind can't whip it back. Oh, oh nice and chubby, baby. baby. There you go. Me and my wife run around the house singing nice and chubby, baby, all the freaking time. That's like next level genius, dude. It's like that combination of words. Anyway, man, I, I, I just love them so much. So, of course. Good, good, good. And, and uh, he's got a show coming up, right? Oh, yeah. You guys, are you going to go to Twisted Tunes? How many people are going to go to Twisted Tunes? 
at three o'clock today, it's going to be like a bunch of really great voice actors, and I'll be there too. And, <laughs> and we're going to be reading a movie script in all in all kinds of voices and character voices and impressions. I hope I see you there. But in the meantime, like I said. This is an opportunity you don't often get. Take advantage of it. Talk to them here. Go see them at their table. You could not meet better people, and I love you guys. I'll see you later. Thank you, Jess. Love you, Jess. Let's make it happen. Let's not let it. Let's not say. Let's do it. Polly. Oh, let's turn around. I love you. Oh no! All right, move away, someone. No. Who was that? I don't know who that was. <laughs> I was blinded. I couldn't see what was going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, question. Hey, let's start over there. Also, the person you just talked to is Gene Simmons. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good, thank you. I, I was wondering. I, I, I know Shatner left, but I am letting that joke live on forever. Uh, I wanted to ask, what was your favorite one of the Warner siblings to write lines or songs for? Uh, wacko. Wacko. Uh, but for different reasons. Yakko was, he did the work. The Yakko set up the story. Dot sort of supported Yakko in the story. It was always very, you know, it was like Yakko had the jokes. Wacko was innocent. And he was always innocent. And so therefore the things he said could be much sillier. And I think, to be honest with you, of, of all three characters, he was the more real like the more grounded in reality. So it was like we had all these different, different characters, but Wacko was definitely, he could have that zinger and it was innocent. So he could almost be a little bit more because it, it was so simple and happy and nice. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Because uh, Yakko felt like he, he was like the old hand. He, he knew everything he was going to say almost. Right, he right, right. probably right. rehearsed it. And, and Dot really was dwelling on that cute thing and was going to stay there. Right, yeah. And, and uh, the, the way I always imagine it, Yakko, Yakko and Dot knew wholeheartedly they were in a show. Wacko wasn't always sure that he was in a show. <laughs> so it, it was a really fun dynamic to play with them. So, yeah, for me, it was Wacko. And it's not because just just came and put his leg on my chest. <laughs> Thank go, you. Let's go over to the left right here. Hello, guys who made the little kids that look like the puppies. Nice. One meal. Nice with the boy. <laughs> so my question is this. is um, When you're writing the scripts, did you like have any problems? Or how did you tackle those? If you ever had issues or had struggles... Whatever. You mean like from censors or something or, or just internal struggles? Because every script for me was a struggle. It was yeah. like, oh, I hate everything I'm doing. But, Writer's uh, block. Yeah. Um, you would, uh, there was a lot of walking around. We, our, our office was at the um, uh, uh, Sherman Oaks Galleria. And we would walk around, we'd go to the mall, we would do whatever. And there was a, there was a game place under, yeah. underneath. And we would play foosball and stuff and sometimes that would be like for three hours and, and we'd sort of wander back up but it was, it was weird I always got the sense and so did Peter Hastings and John McCann by the way John McCann is a brilliant writer too and John just has a book out so you should, you should get this book it's, uh, uh, and that's a true book John is a brilliant genius in fact since our 
table has, has been here. Tom and I are over there. A lot of people quoting me lines that are McCann's. Um, and it's that sharp, it's just brilliant stuff. But anyway, um, you know, sometimes when you're just doing stuff, you, the solution to a story problem presents itself to you. But if you're thinking about it all the, all the time, it's not going to come. It was when we were doing other things. In fact, we'd be in, I won't say this, but we used to smoke cigarettes. And I, no, he didn't please. say that. He didn't say it. I didn't. But we would go down to the to the. We don't anymore. But we go down, and there was a fountain, and we'd sort of wait there and talk and be like, yeah, you know, whatever, and and whatever, and we'd just. Have, and then all of a sudden, everyone would be like, <gasps> and they got their idea, and they would. We had to go twelve floors back back up. There was a lot of that. A lot of like people deep in in thought in their own in their own world. I remember uh, Paul would be on, uh, there are a couple scripts that I know, uh, the one with Abe Lincoln had you tortured for a while, and uh, there was one, one of his greatest scripts of all time was uh, Hearts of Twilight, where uh, Paul had the, had sent the Warners to stop the director, uh, and uh, I don't know, something happened with that one where you had... Yeah, I just, I did a first draft, and I wasn't feeling it, and I'm like, oh man, this is, this is, this is, ah. And I turned into Tom, and Tom called me in his office, and Tom was like, I hate this, <laughs> and uh, I'd like you to redo it. And I was like, oh, I, I, I can't. It's too hard. I don't, know. I don't know the answers. I don't know what the answer is. And Tom said, well, you're going to go back in your room, and you're going to find the answers. <laughs> and I went back in my room, and I found the answers. Uh, once I figured out I was doing a parody of Francis Ford Coppola wife doing a documentary on the making of Apocalypse Now. That's kind of how Animaniacs were. It was like, okay, kids will love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Let's go over to the next side over here. Hi, so my all-time favorite Animaniacs episode is Hooked on a Ceiling, yes. and I particularly love the punchline at the very end of the episode. Yeah. And so my question no, is, um, I, I, I have a good feeling uh, that you guys didn't write the episode, but I have a feeling you were part yeah, of No, it. I did. I, with, uh, with Charlie Howell and Gordon Bressack. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whose idea was it for that punchline? And also, what was Steven Spielberg's reaction to that? Well, that's a perfect example, because Paul said, you never know what the ending is. We had no idea what the ending was. And, you know, we had Kirk Douglas as uh, Michelangelo, and we knew we were going to do a lot of, you know, painting the ceiling gags and ceilings, nothing more than ceilings. <laughs> and, you know, we liked paying naked people. Uh, uh, but Charlie, Gordon, and I got together. We didn't have an ending, and uh, together we came up with, oh, well, you know, let's go with the boss. And you got to know your audience. That was my line. And, see, Stephen, he, he might say, oh, you don't need to put me in it, but he loves to get put in those things. So uh, it really uh, was the right topper for that one. And it's like, uh, I, I, again, I wrote with Charlie and Gordon the, the one, uh, This Pun for Hire, and uh, that had a great topper. You know, the things DreamWorks are made of. Uh, another, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, back over to the left. Um, this show, I feel, is one of the most educational shows I've ever watched growing up as a kid. And my question is, is when you were writing some of the songs that were very educational, how, how long did it take the actors to memorize, especially with Wacko's World? Well, you don't need to memorize when you're a voice actor, right, voice actors? You don't need to memorize it because... Why, Paul? It's on the paper. 
Uh, of course, Rob ultimately did memorize uh, Yakko's World. Now, Yakko's World was written by Randy Rogel, and he had written it prior to showing up at Warner Brothers. He had written it for his kid to just, you know, entertain the kid and teach teaches his child uh, about the countries of the world. And uh, so he came in and he said, I want to play you something. And I don't know, was he even working there? He was doing a Batman script. Yeah, he was working on Batman, the animated series. And he, right next to you, right? He had the office right next to me. And uh, I'm kind of like, I, yeah, I like solitude. And the next thing I know, the office is next to me. And by the way, the offices were about this big. And uh, all of a sudden I see a piano going in the room. <laughs> And then next thing I know, it's like, and, um, and that went on for six months, and I hate him. Uh, so Randy, um, he, he wrote that one, and he wrote the state song, so we give a lot of credit to him for uh, those two songs, but just those two songs. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, he wrote a bunch yeah. of songs, but Paul... Wrote a bunch of songs. Peter Hastings, Nick Hollander. Yeah. Uh, I wrote. I wrote late. Lake Titicaca, and we could all sing that in a moment. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lake Titicaca, Lake Titicaca, it's between Bolivia and Peru. Lake Titicaca, oh, Lake Titicaca, with water so tranquil and blue. Oh, Lake Titicaca, oh, Lake Titicaca, why do we sing of your fame? Oh, Magellan. If you, if you guys want to know about Magellan and what happened to him, what happened to him, he died, and that's in the song. Go ahead, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, say yes. I love the adult jokes that you don't catch as a kid. What was your favorite one to write into the show? Oh, my word. <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, Paul put in, you know, good night, everybody. He, that was probably in, uh, well, the first one he did was in uh, Beethoven, where he would, about, you know. I'm a, I'm a pianist. Yeah. <laughs> pianist. Uh, uh, but that, you know, that's just sort of, ooh, naughty. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah we, had, we had a bunch of that. I mean, you know, we never, to be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, Jess is gone now, so I can be honest. They were, they, they were the ones doing all the naughty things. <laughs> <laughs> we were writing very clean things, and then they would say things, and we'd be like, I think we're leaving that in. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. They're ad-libs. They're ad-libs. They're make-em-ups. <laughs> all right, over here. I'm really enjoying the, the reboot. How do you all feel about the uh, future with the, with the reboot? I'm going to be totally honest. I've never seen it because I don't have the device to see it. But I hear good, very good things about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I don't know it though. Yeah, we're we're in the same boat. I mean, I, I've seen a little bit of a few of them, and uh, you know, we. I was disappointed we weren't uh, invited back, so I haven't paid a lot of attention yeah. to it. Yeah. And I have thoughts, but I'll share that with you later. Yeah. I don't want to bring everybody down. <laughs> What's your favorite and least favorite characters? Say that again. What is your most favorite characters and your least favorite characters? Oh, good. Ooh, most that's and good. least favorite. All right. Uh, you want to go or want me to go? Ah, my most favorite character 
Yeah. Oh, this is, yeah, okay. I'm going to give you my favorite character and the character everyone didn't like. How about that? I'm going to change it. My favorite character is a little character that I wrote for a one-off called Charlton Woodchuck. <laughs> and no one. No one liked him. Uh, he do, do was a little, my do a little voice. Do a yeah. little. He was sort of like he was like Truman Capote. If you guys know who Truman Capote is, and he was he was a little woodchuck. He wanted to make it in Hollywood, and he was. And every time someone upset him, he wrote he wrote their names down so that when he's famous, he wouldn't like them. And uh, <laughs> I think I think everyone was very harsh with this character. And I think you people should really change your mind. Anyway, yes. go ahead. And he was always taking names, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, mine would. I, I can't. Give you one. Sorry, I, I love the Warners and I love Slappy and I love uh, the Brain. The Brain. I don't know why I gravitate toward the Brain more than Pinky, but I, I, I do. Thanks. All right, over here. Um, I really did like the original and the reboot. Um, it's getting a season three, by the way. Um, I'm really excited for that. My question is, what was your favorite special you wrote, and what was the hardest special you wrote? Did we do anything special? We didn't do any specials, but I like to oh. think that every episode... We did talk- the 65th anniversary. I'm talking about the 65th anniversary special, yes. Yeah, I'm talking about the ones where a full episode was entire, like, entirely dedicated to... A- one story. Yeah, one story. Yeah. Got ah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um... I love the 65th anniversary special. Yeah, I like the 65th anniversary special. Not just because I wrote it. <laughs> well, pretty much probably because of that. <laughs> no. Uh, no, yeah, we did... We did um, 65th was the 65th episode, though, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What did we do before that? We did... Uh, we had a half hour... Taming we, of the Screwy? Yes. Yeah. Spellbound was another one that was... Uh, a these, uh, let's see. Taming of the Screwy. We had uh, King Yakko. Yeah. We had uh, the, the Pinky and the Brain uh, as minstrels. Yeah, Spellbound. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we had the one with Pinky and Brain as minstrels. Yeah, Spellbound. Okay. <laughs> then we had an endless episode, I think, uh, Hooray for North Hollywood, parts one and two. Oh, like, yes. Oh, my God, make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of censorship, uh, my favorite example is how it wasn't okay for Wacko to hit Dracula with a baseball bat but you give it wings and fangs, and that made it okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you got away with stuff like fingerprints. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what my question is, like, in, um, I guess, battling with the censors, how did you guys toe the line between what was legit funny and what mothers would find um, <laughs> appropriate? Tom? Okay. <laughs> fingerprints was something that slipped through. It really did. And I, I, I was at a uh, panel, I think with, I, I, I think I was. It was the Freakazoid yeah, panel. Yeah, it's Freakazoid. And, and I'll just quickly, uh, Tress Mc, it's all from Tress McDeal. She's filthy. Uh, <laughs> we had the line, uh, look for fingerprints, says Yakko. And Wacko says, hey, look, I found Prince. You know, the artist formerly known as Prince. And he's, he goes, no, fingerprints. And that's the end of the story. But Tress said, I don't think so. <laughs> and that got left in the recording, uh, you know, the recording session. We all laughed. Uh, yeah, we're not going to leave that in. And 
the, the, the guy that cuts the show together left it in, and then the storyboard artist left it in, and then uh, it goes overseas, it's left in, it comes back, and we go, oh, my God, we can't cut it now, can we? We could have, but the network didn't cut it. No. The ne- sometimes the network, literally, I think there was a lot of scotch, because it was like, <laughs> I don't know what was going on. They're like, that, that's fine, but make sure that Wacko wears his seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> I did get one show, uh, uh, Road Rovers. I did this thing with uh, uh, Russian names, kind of again, the first and last and middle name. And it ends with uh, the kid, you know, if you're Russian and you get your father's middle name, it, you know, the kid's middle name is Sanabavich. And uh, <laughs> that dogs. made, yeah, and there were dogs. Uh, but th- that made one airing and, oh, we got letters. So, so that what came out. Yeah. All right, back over to your side. Oh. It, just, it just comes right off. We're going to charge you for what, that microphone. What was your guys' favorite, moni- uh, favorite uh, moment for working with the cast and the artists and the voice actors? Like, What was your best like, moments from that? When the session ended. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's serious. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I um, the the picture of the 65th anniversary uh, special or the the whole cast. It was throwing that whole cast in for me. That was that was the highlight. Just all these all these people recording it and and um, yeah. So that was a highlight. For Honestly, me. It, I, it was like I mentioned in the booth. I mean, it was uh, my job. I felt like it was my job was to laugh because. The scripts were funny. The actors were funny. It was really... Uh, I, had a, I had a really great job. Back over to the right. Yes. While many of your episodes made me laugh, one made me cry. That was a gift of gold. Can you explain what that... What the, I think the Paul can. <laughs> I can. All right. Is that... Is that the... The, the, the wrapping paper. The wrapping, the wrapping paper. paper. Yes. Okay. And, and he liked it. Good. Stephen... <laughs> Stephen... Had this whole story, and sometimes Stephen would would call and we'd pitch the stories, and we didn't always understand it. And this one, he was like very, we understood it, and it was about a piece of wrapping paper uh, meant for one of his kids. Well, uh, for Mindy, right? Yeah, right. And um, and it, but it, but you're, it wasn't funny, right? So it's like we're a bunch of comedy writers, and we're like, I don't know what to do with that, right? So it's like, and then Nicola, and when Tom said, this is what we're going to write. I think you even said we were all like, we all took a step back. Like, yeah, I don't know like how to write that. Leaving Droopy in front of the yeah. Mounties, yeah. That's heart and, and niceness, and we don't know that. And then Nicholas Hollander stepped forward. Yes, and he said, did. I know niceness and happiness. And, I'll write it, yeah. And, and, and Stephen loved it. A lot. He was so happy with it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So that's how that sort of happened. It was like, and that's kind of what Animatics was about. It was like, sometimes we do this, sometimes we do that, sometimes we do this, and, we, and yeah, we just kind of... But, but that's how that episode... That was, that was Stephen's idea and request. Um, yeah, and yeah. it turned out great. Yeah, there was a lot of like, little uh, sweet moments like, or side things, like even Brave Little Trailer, by the way, voiced okay. by this guy right on the side. The little, the little trailer, trailer episode where he's running around. Mm-hmm. That's voiced by him. There's yeah. so many like, cool moments, like sweet things like that of Animaniacs. And in, in uh, sweet, uh, like in the little drummer warners, it looks very sweet. We're doing the whole uh, Christmas story, and they're shepherds. And then it breaks into like a jazzy swing uh, version of Drummer Boy. You know, it, it, it covers a lot of area. Back over here. 
So I, I love all the show, but uh, my favorite part was always the back and forth between Pinky and the Brain, where Brain would say, Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? You never knew what Pinky was going to come up with, you know? Um, so my question is, did you guys come up with a new response from Pinky every single episode, or did you just sit around thinking of them and, and insert them where needed? I can answer this question, because I was there. I witnessed the very first iteration of that. Peter Hastings, who sort of was going to write Pinky in the Brain, he was wandering around. Like I said, like I said, we all kind of wandered around looking at the floor going, I, I have a question. I don't understand. I don't understand. And we would filter in each other's office. And Peter came into my office, and he's like, I got a problem. I was like, what? He goes, well, and he, he stated that Pinky's going to say this, and the brain is going to say that, or are you pondering what I'm pondering? And Peter's like, and he had all this stuff. And he's like, I don't know, but we're going to get a duck and a hose at this hour. Right? I think that was the first one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, what do you think of that? I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And, he's like, and he pitched a few more out. And I go, I, you know, I, don't, I got my own. I'm writing this other thing. I don't really care. Uh, and, uh, and then he wandered off. And I heard him go to different offices going, what do you think of it? It's a duck and a hose. And then you'd hear, I don't know. I don't care. And, and it was just filtered through. So anyway, that, he knew exactly what he was doing. But that sort of thing is really hard because that just becomes its own specific thing. And you've got to be clever each time for that thing. Yeah. And, and we did stockpile some. I know one of the ones that I, I threw into the mix was, uh, what are you, uh, you thinking, what, pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Brain, but if we call them uh, sad meals, uh, the kids won't buy them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just yeah. have a couple minutes left, so let's try to get as many as we can through. Right on the right side? Okay. Um, my personal favorite segment is Pinky and the Brain, and I'm wondering what your personal favorite segments are. Oh, original favorite segment, Paul. Of Animaniacs or Pinky and the Brain? Animaniacs. Animaniacs. Oh, the whole, the whole oh. series. The whole, whole series. series. Oh, all right. Uh, I have one uh, uh, that I like the most because it was just the dumbest thing. It was called Super Strong Warner Siblings. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it was just really dumb, and it made me laugh a lot. So that's, yeah, that's my favorite segment. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, again, I can't come up with one, but one, my, one of my favorite slappies is Bumby's mom, and another favorite slappy is Critical Condition, where they blow up Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> Go over to the left. Hi, I, I love the animated cast. I love that podcast. If everyone's oh, thank not you. listening to it, they definitely should. Thank you should. for enjoying my podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Luke. Did your dad give you the same facial expressions when you were recording lines, or how did he give you uh, notes? I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, doing um, ADR mostly. Uh, so what wound up happening is they would animate stuff. I mean, I was a little kid most of the time, so I, I, either they'd record me, and then they'd animate it, and it'd be like, well, he kind of garbled some of those lines. He kind of, mal- you know, the tongue got stuck behind his teeth. Anyway, um, but so I, I, I wound up being really good at uh, watching the video. I'd watch, it, I'd watch the video once, and then they'd, I'd, I'd have headphones on, and I'd hear a beep, 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 and then suddenly I had to fill in uh, the mouth movements of the animated character, and somehow I, was, I really picked up on he that. He was really good. Uh, by the time he was doing Big Fat Baby on Hysteria, he was uh, called the one take wonder because he would come in and just, you know, he's very sophisticated by the end of the, and you're, you know, yeah, he did all that stuff. <laughs> it, was, it was like, it would always fit. And he'd fall down the stairs and go, eh, 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 and it just hit. <laughs> all right, so, let's see yeah. if we can get a couple more in real quick. Tom uh, told me a story yesterday about Uh-oh. a can in a recycling bin. I thought he should share it with the rest of us. Oh, oh, uh, Sherry Stoner, uh, uh, 
I got your can. I got your can as a, sh- a slappy squirrel cartoon where uh, uh, she she tries to blow up a, a neighbor who's tormenting her, and it was a real life story. Sherry Stoner threw a can in a recycled garbage can that she's walking by, and the neighbor came out and said, "Wait, wait, hold it! That's that's my recycled can. You can't throw your can into my recycled can." And she's like, "Wait, you're, you're kidding, right?" And uh, no, no, no! Please remove it from my my waste products and uh so sherry came in in the studio and said i'm writing a slappy squirrel script about my neighbor <laughs> all right you get the last question what, what do we got in case you haven't noticed uh even though i'm sure you have uh you've really made a huge impact on us in so many different ways and it's all thanks to your genius um I just, uh, I want to hear what your, uh, how the show best impacted you in your lives. It's a great question. I bought a house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, and, and it also just, it, it was good, but unfortunately it's not the way it's done anymore. So it, it just kind of makes me long for the day where creative people can just be creative so it was great i have a house and i'm sad that we're not doing it anymore right yeah for me it was the highlight uh, creatively of my experience in showbiz uh where we had the freedom to really do lots of great things and i worked with the funniest people on earth and i got to work with all three of my sons and it was just uh uh, just a perfect perfect experience for me thanks well thank you let's give it up for tom and paul you and can, Joey, Joey from the Animaniacs. Well These guys. You can see them down uh, over there. Come visit us. By the food court. Get some pictures signed. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that, and hopefully the rest of the audio will come out perfectly as well, and I'll be able to share that in the next few weeks as well. Hey, uh, let's go ahead and get some plugs in here. Nathan, he's not here, but you should, of course, follow him on Twitter. The, the man needs followers. He is Django FT on Twitter. And Kelly, she's on Twitter as well. Yoda Princess, Y O D A P R N C S S. You can follow her on there. And subscribe to the Animating Cast on all of your podcast players. Why not? Just have, if you have multiple podcast players, yeah, just subscribe to each one pick your favorite we're on each and every one of them if there is a podcast player out there that you can't find us on we need to know about it you let us know and of course we are a proud member of the retrozap.com podcast network head on over to retrozap.com to get fantastic podcasts and wonderful wonderful articles each and every day written by some amazing writers and some uh, fantastic podcasters. It's just a great family over there. And if you'd like to join the conversation with the RetroZap folks about everything pop culture, there's a welcome link for you. You ready for this? Discord.animaniacast.com. That'll take you into the Discord server for us, and you can join the chat, talk about today's episode, or join the other rooms and just talk about anything pop culture you'd like to talk about it's a great positive community and we'd love to see you there well that'll do it for today's episode so for everybody involved in fanx this is joey saying good night everybody 
This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.